Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. This is a podcast from Minute Media. What's up, everybody? Welcome to The Stack. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And on The Stack, we talk about a ton of books that have come out this week. And let's kick it off with a huge one. Avengers number 50 from Marvel, written by Jason ah. Aaron and Christopher Ricuccio, art by Aaron Cooter, Carlos Pancheco, Ed McGuinness, Javier Garon, Delvin Baldion, and Steve McNiven. This is a giant, I believe it's 89 pages, that's Ooh. not only tying up things from Jason Aaron's run, telling a story of its own, but teeing up not one, but two ongoing comic books. So a lot of stuff to do in here. How successful do you think it was in all of that, as well as as a book on its own? I I thought it was hugely successful. This book is like 100 percent fun. It's like uh, Jason Aaron's run on um, Avengers. I just feel like is it's it satisfies a comic book urge uh, that I have that I think is just it feels like high octane, like. Comics from the 90s and beyond uh, all put together. So much is happening here. He's mashing up so many different villains. The threats seem so intense, and there's still more moves uh, to be made. I love it. Yeah, this is jam-packed with ideas. Um, this is just... Uh, and all in, in great ways. There's a lot going on. There's a <laughs> lot of cool kind of like crossover stuff. Stuff, uh, uh, you get some smooching in here, uh, you get some unbelievable action, a lot of like over the top stuff. Yeah, I think this really delivers and is intense in all the right ways. It's a ton of fun, really great artwork, and uh, yeah, yeah, it's just it's fun. Yeah, I was really pleasantly surprised as well. Uh, like you were saying, Justin, I think we've talked around this a lot, but Jason Aaron is so much more successful at making it feeling like you're playing with toys. When sometimes I'll read these things like this is not to slag off anybody's hard work, but things like the Darkhold thing where it's like, oh, they're the heroes, but they're goopier than usual. You know what I'm talking about? Sometimes it feels very calculated a way to, you know, reskid Marvel future fight or whatever that's they're aiming towards there to give these other things. But the way that Jason Aaron does it here, we get this multiversal Masters of Evil is trying to destroy Avengers throughout the multiverse, starting with their prehistoric millions years back origin versions. But it all feels ludicrously fun the entire time. It feels very light. And I think part of that is the art team that's been assembled here, particularly love Aaron Cooter's art always. Love Ed McGuinness. They feel like a perfect fit in particular with what Jason Aaron is doing. But like you're saying, it's light. It's fun. The thing that kicks off Avengers forever, mild spoils here, but Robbie Ray's has some stuff going on with Ghost Rider. He's teamed up with a Deathlock, is traveling through the multiverse to assemble Avengers of his own. This is just a blast. This is a blast to read. Let me list a couple of things that happened, and we should pick favorites because there's so many cool things. There's 
uh, Kazar, the Savage Herald, um, this weird shit with the orb, uh, Namor um, screwing around, the rom- romance between um, the prehistoric Phoenix and uh, Odin, uh, Howard Stark rolling through, the Deathlock stuff. The sort of heartfelt moment with Robbie Reyes, uh, just the panels, pages and pages of these teams throughout history. Like, what are what was your fa- the She Hulk stuff? Uh, I think. I, go, go ahead, ahead Pete. Please. I was just going to say I, I really like the orb. I thought that was hysterical. Um, I haven't. That seen guy's it. weird. <laughs> yeah, but to, that was a huge. Uh, when I was a younger kid, like the orb would always go up against Ghost Rider, and that was always a creepy, kind of crazy looking comic. So it was fun to see kind of this orb. Um, but I'm also a sucker for Deathlock and Deathlock and Robbie Reyes rolling in the car. That was that was a, a great team up, a lot of fun. Like Pete's talking about, Jason Aaron clearly loves the orb and loves using the orb as much as he humanly can. The stuff where the orb is trying to be this dark watcher with the masters of evil was so funny. Such a great sequence. But the thing for me, it's a very calculated thing that you knew was going to come at some point. But the way they work back to old school style She-Hulk, I thought was great. And I was so happy to see her back, even though I really enjoyed this more savage take on the She-Hulk. So that's going to be really fun to see going forward. Um, but like we've been saying, so much fun stuff in this issue. It's enormous. It's packed. It's a big anniversary issue, but definitely worth the pickup. Let's move on to another big idea, but from the other big two publisher, Justice League Incarnate, number one from DC Comics, mm. written by Joshua Williamson and Dennis Culver, art by Brandon Peterson, Andre Bresson, and Tom Derenick. This is kicking out of oh i'm forgetting what the name of the crossover was infinite frontier thank you and we're getting this team up of multiversal justice league characters in this one that are fighting against dark side and a bunch of other bad stuff that's coming the dc universe's way i'll tell you what um i enjoyed the first couple of issues of infinite frontier but i was a little iffy on it in total I like this. I think this worked quite a bit. What about you guys? Super yeah. fast paced. Um, there's the thing. I, my complaint about this is definitely something that may be just about me, but get Captain Carrot out of here. That's not, oh, get, get, on, get out of here. I mean, I, you come are gunning directly for Pete because I read this book and I was like, Pete loves this jacked up Captain Carrot. Right. Don't like him. Yeah, go home. I don't th- I can't take this book seriously when you got this goofy rabbit jumping around. Silly rabbit. That's the thing that pulls you out. It's just like not all the other crazy shit. I mean, that was the also review of when we talked about Watership Down, and that book is very sad. Yeah, but those rabbits are goofy. Go home. Oh my <laughs> is god. Is what I say. Watership down. I can't I, believe I'm saying this. That book makes me that book makes me cry. I thought this was a, a really great issue of DC comic action. I feel like they did a great job of like really taking a kind of like a classic geek, DC comic and making something fun. The I love the big boss battle. I, I think this the art is great. It's a great first issue that gets you excited for more. And, uh, yeah, yeah, I don't have a problem with Captain Carrot. Oh, I thought you actively liked him, is what I was saying. But you just don't have a problem with him. What do you like about him? The rabbit part? Yeah. 
Okay. Well, I guess we just have different opinions. <laughs> the Death of Doctor Strange, Spider-Man number one from oh, Marvel, man. written by Jed McKay, art by Marcelo Ferreira. This is taking the Ben Riley Spider-Man because part of Peter Parker is currently dying of radiation poisoning in a hospital bed. Teams him up with the Black Cat to pick up some, some of the tasks left from the death of Doctor Strange over in that crossover. Pete, what'd you think of this one? Well, uh, you know, this isn't my favorite Spidey. You know, I like uh, uh, Peter Parker, not a fan of the bad guy. <laughs> I like, um, uh, what's his name? Por- Porter. Uh, Peter, Peter Parker. Parker. The yeah, Peter Parker's, Parker's my guy. Wait, hold Makes on. Makes sense. You're question, such a Justin. rabbit guy. Do you like Peter Porker, but don't like Captain Carrot? Yep. Yes. Uh, here's the thing. <laughs> Peter Porker, separate. He like, you keeping your peas out of your carrots, out of your Captain Carrots. Well, you keep uh-huh. them separate. Yeah. And then Captain Carrot mixed in with all these like all these other Justice League people who are just like, I'm very serious and we have to fight Darkseid. And he's like, I'm a rabbit. <laughs> I'm f- he's don't. a jacked rabbit. I think he's a, you jacked want a jacked. Yeah, you want a jack rabbit on your side. That's why they call them jack rabbits is because they're so muscly. Yeah, yeah exactly. I've stumbled into a rabbit gym the other day. A bunch of jack rabbits <laughs> oh, in there. Juicing up. <laughs> Juice it up on carrot juice. Justin, what did you think about this one? I know you're a big fan of Black Cat Spider-Man, but this is obviously a very different riff on that. Yeah. I thought this was great. Um, I really like Jed McKay. Uh, really been bringing the heat with Black Cat. Um, and this book is a night. I mean, I, I agree we're in a weird time in the continuity of Spider-Man with him being in his hospital, Ben, and Ben Riley doing it. But I thought... This story really makes good use of it, and the conversation throughout the issue between Black Hat and and Ben about, like, what it means to be Spider-Man, why there needs to be a Spider-Man, and how she sort of gives him a hard time, but eventually is like, you're Spider-Man for now. Yeah, that was fun. I thought it was was fun at the end, uh, but I did like how Wong was like, hey, wait a second, you're not Spider-Man. That was fun. I was like, you're right, Wong. Why are you sending this fake Spider-Man on a fucking mission here? But, You're not wrong. You're not wrong, Wong. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but I did. Uh, I did think it was. You know, if you're going to send anybody to do your errands, you send Ben Riley. You don't send the real Peter Parker. You know what I mean? This book also was a great <laughs> love letter to Doctor Strange. It, it's a really nice like. Sort I thought of... you were going to say to the Central Park uh, Dragon, but okay. Yeah. I'll also tell yeah. you what, though, Peter Parker. You're absolutely right, Pete. One of the worst possible people to send to do errands because every single time he's going to get distracted. He's going to do something else. He's going to show up late. So Ben Riley has already proved himself to be the superior Spider-Man. Oh, <laughs> oh Alex. Well, you really uh, went for the triple the uh, hat yeah. trick on annoying Pete <laughs> with Spider-Man terms. Yeah. Um, uh, man, you could sell my like marriage to Mephisto anytime. That's what I'm saying about that oh, Ben Riley God. Spider-Man. I don't like Peter Parker because he's late all the time, and that's a quality I can't tolerate. <laughs> oh, my God. Wonder Woman the Historia. listening only knew. <laughs> Wonder Woman Historia, the Amazon's number one from DC Comics, written by Kelly Sue DeConnick, art by Phil Jimenez. This is a bold and gorgeous reinvention of the Wonder Woman mythology going all the way back to the beginning of history. There are so many pages in this book that I just stopped at, like stopped yes. and looked at and looked at the individual pieces. At This is a phenomenal achievement of a comic book and easily my favorite thing that we read all week. Not to spoil wow. the rest of the stack. Hey, Alex, save it for the end. Um, yeah, this was very cool. I really liked the way that 
doing the just the big deep dive, um, it feels like a great reset point for just Wonder Woman in general. I mean, there's a lot going on in Wonder Woman books right now. There's another good Wonder Woman book we're, we're going to talk about later. Sure. Are. But this was really cool. And the J.H. Williams style, if you like J.H. Williams yeah, art, exactly. you're going to really love this book because it, it has that vibe. It's big, broad screen uh, panel storytelling, super intricate and um, big mythology building. Yeah, all I got to say is, wow, uh, you got to read it wow. mo- more than once, okay? Uh, once just for the art alone, and then the the other time to go back and take it all in. The paneling is just unbelievable. The art is just really an, a, just a fantastic top-to-bottom book that is worth, worth, worth checking out. Um, yeah. yeah, this is incredible. This is one, frankly, we read this digitally, but I'm probably going to take myself to the comic book shop and try to pick up take a yourself. Ooh, I'm take, take yourself. Ooh, take yourself. Have a little me trip. You know what yeah, I'm talking there you about? Go. Oh, yeah. You usually take, take a off, family, you know, right? <laughs> and just go to the comic book <laughs> no, shop. just me. Just a me trip. Let's move on and talk about Darkhold Black Bolt, number one from Marvel, written by Mark Russell, art by David Cutler. I know I was slagging off the Darkhold thing a little you bit sure earlier. Were. I have literally moments ago you were down. I have no idea, honestly, what this has to do at all with the Dark Old crossover, but this is a great Black Bolt story from the always reliable Mark Russell. Here, Black Bolt finds himself on an alien planet alone, his memory chopped up to bits. All he can remember is that one of his advisors may or may not have been replaced by his evil brother, Maximus. Uh, There's a twist here that I don't want to spoil that I did not see coming that I thought was fantastic. Just a really good one-shot issue, whether you've been reading the Darkhold stuff or not. Yeah, I agree with everything you're saying. The... Mark Russell, who sort of made his bones as um, like a comedy. Killing a man. Well, he made his bones by killing a man. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. wow. <laughs> That's how you do it. Uh, as as a, a satire writer, like really is getting into the superhero comics and really writing just really smart, unique uh, stories and takes on these different characters. And this is another another good one. Yeah, this is uh, – yeah, it's got twists and turns. It's unbelievable art. Uh, definitely worth picking up. And ignore what Alex said earlier about uh, you know goopiness. This is a solid comic. So light on goop. Yeah. Light on goop. Here's something that's heavy on goop, though. Batman Fear State Omega, number one for DC Comics, written by James Tynion the Fourth, art by Ricardo Federici, Christian Douche, Ryan Benjamin, Gillum March. And Trevor Hairsign. This is, as you could probably figure out from the title, wrapping up the whole Fear State crossover as Batman takes Scarecrow back to not Arkham Asylum, but the new asylum in town oh, and uh, gives him the rundown of everything that's going on with everybody in Gotham City. I'll tell you what, I'm not usually a fan of these wrap up, touch on everything, set up this new status quo books, but I thought this was very well done and I really like the story they were telling here. Well, and I think it's because this book wasn't just a wrap-up of this event. I think it was it was really James Tynan's uh, sort of uh, goodbye book to be like, here's all the stuff that I created in my time on the Bat books, and let's let's have it all in one place so maybe we can use some of these characters because they are interesting. You got your Clown Hunter. You got your Ghost Maker. Um, you've got the Unsanity Collective. All these are fun things that I would like to see more of, and this book really lays them out. 
Uh, I can understand why, Alex, you would like this. This book has a lot of dad energy. It's basically <laughs> Batman lecturing somebody the whole car ride and being like, Scarecrow, <laughs> let me tell you where you what you did wrong and why you are bad. And you're going to have to sit here in the uncomfortable Batmobile while I drive you all the way back to prison and tell you why you're a bad person. <laughs> you think the Batmobile is uncomfortable? You don't well, think no, he's, they, they he's made springing the for the ex- He made the joke about... About like, oh, you, uh, why don't you get a bigger Batmobile that's more comfortable? And he's like, oh, I picked the more sporty one to make it I mean, you are kind of right, because Scarecrow does e- keep asking when they're going to get there yeah, repeatedly yeah. throughout the book. So. Are we there yet? Yeah. Fair point. Fair point. I'll turn this car right around. Yeah. I'll turn uh, this Batmobile right around. And there's a reveal at the end that I, uh, I, I will say it's not that big of a deal, but it's like, stay tuned for Arkham Tower. They, that's right. We moved this asylum up, up in the building. That seems like a bad idea. Yeah, you're gonna horrible, need an horrible. elevator, Joker, <laughs> if you want to get out of this place. How do I use these buttons? <laughs> do I press M or L in this building? Oh no, we're on the mezzanine. I did. I did like though how that. <laughs> Batman was like, yeah, I'll give you your mask back. You know what I mean? I know what it's mm-hmm. like to not have your mask on and feel naked. So here exactly. you go. Your mask is your yeah. glasses and hoodie, right, Pete? You're damn right. Bruce Wayne may appear to be a wealthy playboy, but beneath this facade, his true identity is that of the Batman, waging an endless war against crime. Join the Cape Crusader and Batman The Audio Adventures, the first scripted audio original featuring Batman and his villainous rogues gallery in a world premiere story of life and death in Gotham City, debuting exclusively on HBO Max. Starring Jeffrey Wright as Batman and a who's who of incredible Saturday Night Live alums, this rollicking adventure told across 10 episodes is written and directed by Emmy winner Dennis McNicholas, includes devilishly delightful original music by Doug Bossy, and performances by Rosario Dawson, John Leguizamo, Chris Parnell, Melissa Villasenor, Seth Meyers, Jason Sudeikis, Brooke Shields, Fred Armisen, and many, many more. Go to hbomax.com slash Batman Audio Adventures for more and stream Batman the Audio Adventures only on HBO Max. Next up, King of Spies, number one from Image Comics, written by Mark Millar, art by Matteo Scalera. This is about an aging James Bond type who goes back for one last mission. You know what this is. (laughs) Mark Millar never fails to not do his thing. Where he's like, oh, I have a comic. It's something you know about with a little twist that is like pretty well. Like it's well executed. Like the story's fun. Like the art's uh, it's great. cool. Art's great. He always has great artists that he's working with. Um, but I I just, I want him to break his formula. I mean, I don't know if he ever will. What's, I guess what's the point of that now? Yeah, why? But, um, why and he's really it? just writing short comic books that can then be made into something else. Um, and that's, again, exactly what this is. This is a movie pitch, uh, which 100%. is a good movie pitch. Yeah, it's a good uh, movie pitch. It's, yeah. uh, I, the entire, we've talked about this every time with his books, but I'm reading this and I'm like, exactly what you're saying, Justin. It's just, this is so stupid. What is happening here? I know exactly what he's going for. But also, it is fun to read at the same time because the action is way over the top and uber yeah. violent. And 
it's enjoyable at the same time. I will say the the first seven pages where you're seeing um, our James Bond in his prime, I was like, it doesn't have to be this intense. Like we we get it, but he's like killing people, running off shit. I was like, come on, he could just be normal James Bond. Well, he also have because be- we know who James Bond is, you don't need that information yeah. at the beginning. There, just cut to the part where he's old and he's six months from dying. We know what is going to happen. That's not a good cliffhanger for the book. Open not to edit Mark Millar's book, but open up with being like, "Hey, super spy, you're going to die in six months." And he's like, "Well, time to kill a bunch of dudes." Or just a short little thing where it's like a super spy drinking a martini, um, who like is about to is like being seduced or is seducing someone, and suddenly he pulls out his pistol and shoots someone who you didn't think was a villain. Then we're then it's sort of fun and surprising as opposed to like, can you imagine how I'm going to shoot all these people? Like I was like, he's up, dude. Yeah, he is the king of spies. So so there you go. Yeah, Wonder I, Woman twenty. Oh, go ahead, Pete. Yeah, I would like to say some things about this comic. Uh, yeah, <laughs> okay, I, I, it's sorry. one of those things where you guys wow. are just going back and forth. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Pete, you said a whole thing. Yeah, you. you were, were like, I remember very clearly. No, you said several you things like, about this book. I love James Bond. Moonraker's my favorite movie. No, I didn't say that. I didn't say any of that. Yeah, I'm not, uh, you know, as much as, you know, I'd like to say I'm above this. Uh, I'm a, uh, This is in my wheelhouse of things. And, uh, yeah, I just thought this was a great example of, yeah, I'm going to give you exactly what you want and you're going to love it anyway. And I was like, thank you. I'll, I'll have another, please. So, yeah, I just thought the action was great. It was over the top. And why not? I think this is... You know, a great example of how comics can, uh, you know, be fun and it doesn't have to be, you know, anything more than just this idea. So uh, why not? And uh, yeah, I'm on board. So I thought I thought it was super enjoyable. Next up, Wonder Woman 2021 annual number one from DC Comics, written by Becky Cloonan and Michael W. Conrad, art by Andy McDonald. In this issue, the returned Wonder Woman comes face to face with a new villain who has some interesting ideas and interesting twists on the history of Themyscira that is going to kick into the trial of the Amazons crossover that's going to start next year. I really, really liked the ideas that were at play here, and I think these are very interesting villains. What did you guys think? This writing duo, I think, is doing a great job of finding new territory for Wonder Woman to explore. I thought this was a very cool thing where Wonder Woman is going to be Sort of, she's going to learn stuff that she's going to be ashamed of, I think, over the course of this crossover, which I think is great. I haven't seen her in that position. The, my one quibble with the book is it felt very strange that Wonder Woman was so late. She's someone who isn't late. Mm-hmm. She's not a Peter Parker. She, I will say she did feel a little off this issue, and I think part of that is her returning, but maybe there is something deeper there in terms of something different about Diana now that she's back in the world. Pete, what did you think? Well, first off, Justin, you can't say shit, okay? Um, I think huh. that if, uh, you know, someone's going to be late, uh, you know, Wonder Woman has plenty of reasons to be late, so it's fine. Uh, but I, I do think that this is an unbelievable annual. This is a lot of fun. Uh, I really liked uh, how uh, creepy the kind of villain was and how Wonder Woman was like, yeah, I knew you were following me. I, I think this is kind of like a, a really really great uh, just kind of Wonder Woman story. And uh, I, I really love the art. I really think this is such a, um, a good team and, and, uh, and the art and the storytelling are just really solid. 
Next up, Deadly Class number 49 from Image Comics written by uh, not Mark Millar, uh, by Rick Remender and art by Wes Craig. Uh, in this issue, we're finally getting back to Saya and Marcus. Yes. Big twist here that, again, I don't want to spoil. Um, but they catch up with each other over the course of the yeah, issue. I thought this was great. Pete? Yeah, this is everything we wanted. Uh, them finally getting back together, giving us hope. Uh, I'm really worried about Rick Remender, what he's going to do. It's the opposite of hope, Pete. Yeah, I don't think they're back together. Ah, it seems like they're back together, and I'm going to think mm. that everything is going to be just fine. Uh, that is how Rick Remender you... usually writes his books, is with yep. happy endings. Yeah, exactly. Um, maybe this the, will be the one. This will be the one. The reveal at the end of the book made me think it is very much the opposite of them being yeah, happily but, uh, back together. Yeah, but I'm still going to hold out hope. Uh, yeah, I just think the, this writing and artist duo... Just unbelievable. This is such a great book. The art, the it's just such a great package. Killing it. Absolutely killing it. Deadly Cast is so much fun. I think we can officially say that uh, it's a great package is your catchphrase now and no longer mine. Um, I think that... Uh, the tight package is what your favorite saying is. This is... Um, <laughs> This is so good. Pete, I feel can like you the, stop line producing the podcast, please? Yeah, my bad, my bad. <laughs> Not what that is. Uh, this is the uh, detail work, the focus, the just minute-to-minute work that you see on display in this book. And really, uh, most of it. I'm sorry, I work. don't mean to over-line produce, but the line is it a panel-to-panel, panel, uh, not, not line to line. So go ahead, go ahead, sorry. I don't know. You think line producing is producing the lines that I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's uh, great. Um, anyway, I just think it's a it's a cut above almost any book on the stands. I was a big line producer at Studio A four in the eighties. People would always be Studio like, Studio eighty four. Eighty four. What? It was, really, what? It was way that's, that's a couple blocks away from Studio. There weren't a lot of people there. <laughs> Studio it's too 84. bad they were missing out. Yeah, Josh Warhol used to go. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> it's where a lot of the also rans, the younger <laughs> brothers and sisters of the famous people, were hanging. That's right. Yeah, it was very uncool. The Joker twenty twenty one annual number one from DC Comics, written by James Tynion the Fourth and Matthew Rosenberg, art by Francesco Francavia. Bergy. <laughs> Rosie. Frankie. This is a fantastic uh, one shot that is tying into the Joker story, jumping back in time and showing us just as the mobsters have fallen and the villains of Gotham City are starting to rise. Great story of Commissioner Gordon. It's wild that this is called the Joker when this is clearly a Commissioner Gordon book, but another uh, really good story from this team. Uh, Yeah, I, I just this is so much fun. This is such a great uh, issue annual, whatever you want to. I I was just uh, blown away. It seems like such a cool, like Batman Year One kind of st- uh, story, but about uh, the commish Gordon. There, I I think, uh, I, yeah, I just was really impressed by this. This is these DC annuals are, have been killing it uh, this week. Unbelievable. Uh, yeah, really. The the flashback nature of this story I thought was great. Um, getting to see 
this era of these characters, and it has like big Dick Tracy vibes to it, mm-hmm. um, uh, with the the Francovia art, uh, sort of a very pared down uh, Francovia art. But it, again, I think I mentioned this the last uh, book we talked about. Um, it has the. Uh, it reminds me of the Scott Snyder Francesco Francovia run on Detective Comics, and we even get some reference of. Sure, uh, yeah. the characters in that uh james gordon's son mm-hmm. um, refer- is referenced a bit here and i i felt that connection there and i also love this is getting into mild spoilers for the book but i also love now that we know that gordon has always kind of known that barbara is batgirl having yeah. that out of the way oh, so they can yeah. talk about that and show what that was like for him back in the day when she was first starting out as Batgirl. I thought that really just added a really nice emotional layer to the book at the same time. Let's move on. And to very an, subtle, yeah. very subtle. The move Cause it's one of the other cops is like, uh, how old is she? I'm always looking at her in her tights or whatever. And he's like, Hey, knock it off. <laughs> you <laughs> next up. Let's talk about another emotional ending. The me you love in the dark. Number five from image oh, comics written by man. Scott Young yes. art by Jorge Corona. This is tying up the story of a woman who is in love Maybe physical relationship, was, a parasitic yeah. relationship with an entity who lives in her house and seems to be feeling her art. It all ends here. Justin, I know you were pretty big on this issue. What did you think about it? I think this just this comic is super unique. It's very rare for like a, just a small, like short series like this that really comes in with its very its own way of telling its story. Very like paced, very specifically. It's a straight up horror story, beautifully drawn. Um, that you really sit with. It it sits with you. Like every issue of this, it just got better and better and more rich. Uh, And it's not like you don't see what's coming, but the way it's told, I think is just great. I want to see this as like a a great horror short film. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, I wanted this to happen earlier. Um, You know, it gets really scary for the main character who's trapped in this relationship. Um, but I'm glad that she's smart enough to for what happened to happen, and I don't want to spoil it. But man, this series was creepy in all the right ways. The art was unbelievable, just really magical and and creepy in all the right ways. Uh, but man, what a cool book and a great ending. Next up, The Human Target, number two from DC Comics, written by Tom King, art by Greg Smallwood. In this issue, The Human Target, who now has 11 days to live thanks to accidentally ingesting poison that was meant for Lex Luthor, gets oh, to interview Ice from the Justice League International, spend the day with her. Uh, I'll tell you what, not to creep out totally, this was a very sexy book. Oh, God. Yeah. Right? It was. No like, doubt. It was legit. Like, this, the James Bond stuff, frankly that they were going for in King of Spies that your mileage may vary in terms of it worked. It's here. Like it is it exactly. here. That's exactly. That's exactly. They nail it completely. Yeah. It's just, uh, this book, it has some, like, uh, it reminds me a little bit of, um, Matt Fraction's Hawkeye run. I know that's a much talked about, uh, and David, uh, Aja's run. And that's a much talked about book with the Hawkeye TV series, but it has that sort of, just big swing, like very specific art choice that is uh, telling an awesome story. And then it it does have like James Bond film noir energy, but with human target and ice from justice league international, having this great sort of like tense, but sexy day together and pushing the story forward. Tom King 
has done it again. Yeah, this is just He's a, done it again. <laughs> it's another classic. Somebody uh, has to stop him. He's keeps doing it. A classic King story here. I really love the blue tones that were going mm-hmm. on here. Amazing mm. art style. Just, you know, classic King storytelling, what's happening, giving you little bits of information is very cool and worth checking out. He's the King of San Diego. Wow. <laughs> no, we that all only know makes that, sense to that a very title small bit of belongs people. to somebody The else. Department of Truth, number 14 from Image Comics, written by James Tyne IV, art by John J. Pearson. This is another sort of times past issue of this comic book. We're going back and seeing when Lee Harvey Oswald just joined the Department of Truth and what happened there. I thought this was a great issue and honestly sort of a nice break for the dense info yeah. dump we've got the past couple of issues here even though i really like this book this felt a little lighter and easier and more dialogue focused rather than monologue heavy but really like laying out a lot of great information about mm-hmm. the sort of the villain here we haven't the villain sort of ventured out in mystery i mean i love this book and um it feels i think i've said this before but it feels like real it feels like i almost believe this just regular in real life um that the world if enough people believe something it changes the way the world works it's such a great concept for a book this is already in development for i believe television and i can't wait it's just just really great uh it's creepy in all the right ways uh, down to the like even have some fun with the shaving your head bit uh, and the eyebrows, that was hilarious. Mm. Yeah, uh, this one was a little bit more straightforward, so I enjoyed it a little bit more. It was easier to follow. Um, but yeah, just this whole idea uh, that that is pushing forward of if people believe it, then it's true. So uh, creepy, fucked up. I'm glad it's in comic book and not real. It is real. <laughs> Nightwing 2021, annual number one from DC Comics, written by Tom Taylor, art by C.N. Torbay. This is this is the one where Red Hood goes rogue, seemingly, right? And Nightwing goes yeah. after him. Uh, and uh, as usual, a really good story from Tom Taylor. Again, Justin, I know you're pretty high on this one, so you want to talk about it? I, I said this on the, on the live podcast, but we are in... Did. We are in a Nightwing renaissance, a Dick Grayson-assance um, that I think is definitely worth picking up if you haven't been reading this. And this is a great... I'll tell like, you what, it's almost December. Oh, my God. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> December 1st. Check it off. Let's cut that out of the podcast. Definitely. That's how I'm going to refer to this month from here on out. Oh, my God. Um but what I was saying is it's a great brother's story, just brothers being friends, taking care of each other and solving a mystery and being less mean with your um, crowbar and guns. Yeah, I, I thought this was a fun bros team up. Uh, great use, uh, great use of Clayface. I think this is just a fun, fun book. And, uh, you know, if you're a fan of Nightwing, you are having the time of your life. So congratulations. <laughs> Wow. Chew number 10 from Image Comics, written by John Lehman, art by Dan Boltwood. This is wrapping up the She Drunk History arc, which found them using time-traveling wine to steal a painting. Very fun, very twisty ending here that wraps up all of the storyline and then kicks us into the next one, which seems to be a big one. I love this book. The end. (laughs) Pete, Uh, Pete, you're the chew chew head. Yeah, great, great. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, this is fun. I, I this continues to be uh, like you, but a little different enough that it it's its own thing and has its own kind of like feel. I'm enjoying this new chew, and uh, yeah, they new they chew. seem to be ki- killing it. So um, it's yeah, it's it's gr- unbelievable art, fun storytelling. You really enjoy this kind of fresh take on the, on the new chew. So yeah, this is great. I I never uh, got into the original chew, yeah. but I really like this um, series and uh, great twists and turns um, at the end. I like the way. Uh, we get sort of the the wins and losses for all the different characters here, and uh, I would read, definitely read more of this. Justice League Dark 2021 Annual Number 1 from DC Comics, written by Ram V and Dan Waters, art by Dan Waters. This is the Justice League Dark trying to figure out what's going wrong with magic in the DC Universe, as usual. Um, I'll, I'll tell you what, I went a little back and forth about this issue, frankly, because a lot of it is people sitting around a table getting each other caught up on information. But about halfway through the book, it starts to turn with the arrival of a new character where it does become more dangerous. It does become more interesting. And it is very much of that vertigo mode of people sitting around and telling each other stories. So I like to start to like it quite a bit more. And there was a really fun narrative trick that happens in here in particular. But how did this strike you guys? Pete? Yeah, I I thought this was uh, like really cool art. The style that they set up for this story is is really interesting and cool. I love the the team of characters they that we get here. Uh, I thought it was a, a a really cool story, and the art makes it worth it. Uh, this um, this was good. <laughs> Thanks, Justin. Wow. The Magic okay. Order 2, number 2 from Image Comics. <laughs> no, sorry, sorry. What I was going to say is, what I was going to say is, before we move on, um, I I feel like, I feel like I've missed this book. I, I really, it feels like it hasn't been around much. Um, uh, Detective Chimp has some great funny moments in here. Yeah. And uh, this is, the, I'm more excited about this than the sort of the, the top tier Justice League stuff. That's I agree. Magic Order 2, number two from Image Comics, written by Mark Millar, art by Stuart and Nonin. Maybe overloading it a bit with two Mark Millar books yeah, in the stack know. here. But it's like we drinking like the first... two back-to-back Mountain Dews. <laughs> but we like the first issue of this. This is about a world where magic is basically like the mafia essentially, and we're getting a street gang who wants to move their way up and take down the mafia. As usual, there is some absolutely intense, extreme stuff that happens in here. But Pete, was this in your comfort zone like the King of Spies? Oh, well, uh, thank you. Yes, uh, I I do think that uh, as far as uh comfort zone is yeah i think this was was creepy and fun in all the right ways it didn't get uh too fucked up although the burning of uh voluntary burning of people was a little too much you've uh, never been to a black wedding where two child corpses are married no really <laughs> uh, i gotta yeah. invite you the next time you're fully nope. vaccinated yes. right because they're very particular very about strict it. about yes yeah, so i had a black wedding uh, unsubscribe. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Thanks, internet from 10 years ago. Justin, yeah. what did you think about this one? I mean, there's a lot going on in this book. And I feel like, especially comparing this to the other Mark Millar book, which is all about just like, hey, I'm doing this one thing. Um, this one is like, 
I'm doing a lot of things, and I hope you reread the previous issue before you read this one, because you're going to not know what's happening as much um, in this. Yeah, it's a little bit of a mess, but maybe interesting to follow Go Third and Stuart Aminen, as always, a great on art. Worth it for the art alone, I always say. Batman 2021, annual number one from DC Comics, written by James Tynion IV, art by Ricardo Lopez Ortiz. Um, Another annual, another Batman tale from James Tynion IV. What'd you guys think about this? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I really love the stylized art on this. Like, this to me is such a cool kind of like art that I really loved the seven year old and me really loved. And I think this is Mm. really cool still. Um, Yeah. You know, it just kind of reaffirms things that, Hey, if you thought this ghostmaker guy was a psycho, you should have seen him as a kid. Um, But yeah, I I think this is still, uh, I'm glad we're getting the kind of like, bro time that Batman has. It's interesting that, like, if you're cool with Batman, he lets you break a shit ton of rules. You know, it's like, hey, Catwoman, we're cool, so you can do whatever you want. Ghostmaker, hey, you do things differently, but as long as we get to swing away together, I'm cool with it. Well, I think Uh, it was the opposite, if anything, for Ghostmaker in this issue, is we finally got an emotional underpinning for why he is the way he is. And it does wrap up this backstory that we've been following in Batman for a while, which I thought was nicely done. Justin, what about you? Uh, I the relationship between Ghostmaker and Batman is so interesting to me because I think Pete's right. It is weird. Ghostmaker is like uh, like a jerk and he's like way too aggressive. But Batman is like race you to the car. <laughs> like at the end, I was like, okay, Batman. Um, so it sort of is like I don't doesn't quite match up. But I do like that we get the the Ghostmaker's origin here, and he is sort of like the scarier version of Batman, of the Batman origin. Um, Right? Yeah, I'd say so. Once in Future, number 22 for Boob Studios, written by Kieran Gillen, art by Dan Mora. In this issue, they're fighting more big monsters, and so there's some big twists. Pete, take it away. So, I mean, come on. This is just great. Put it on the cover. Unbelievable comics. I mean, the... the, uh, the cover alone is is all you need to know. Like, if you think that's cool, wait till you see what's inside. Um, yeah, I yeah, you can't get enough of this. The crazy, over the top characters that we get in each issue, it, it's just fun. They're turning it to eleven. It doesn't get old. Giant lion that breathes fire. Yes, please. What are we doing? Yeah, let's keep this going. Uh, I love all the sass that grandma is throwing out there. Just more of this in our lives, please. <laughs> love that grandma sass. <laughs> Nothing uh, like grandma sass. Yeah, the best Tons. sass. Yeah. That aged <laughs> sass. Yeah. No, nobody listened to what Pete just said when he said, I love grandma sass. <laughs> You said grandma sass or I love grandma's ass. I mean, he definitely slurred the two together. I'm just saying. Don't be gross, guys, please. Oh, don't be gross on this podcast. Just trying to get clarification. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Here's the thing. I like this book. It's a great book. The art's great. The story's fun. It it has been at this same pace for 21 issues. Why change something that's working? I just need a little variety here Stop because it. it is going all. They're just like running, Don't running, running. Don't you complain about something being so good for so long? 
But it's like if you like grandma's spend, ass, right? That's been going oh for eighty years, and it just don't quit. <laughs> just keeps yeah. getting better. The pace of grandma's sass, grandma's oh ass. Uh, but it's just as like if every day, if for twenty two <laughs> months you ate peanut butter, you'd be like, "Let me get something else in here. Let me try. Let me get some less." Uh, peanut could you butter. tell that to my son, please? <laughs> Kid loves peanut butter every every day. Every day for lunch is driving me insane. Uh, but I, I agree with you. I think this is action movie over the top, but we were getting to something with these two Arthurs and two Berlins. This issue takes a little swerve to focus on our main characters, but there's some very fun bits in here. The yes. William Shakespeare bit was great. Yes, like Pete great was mentioning, fun. the giant fire-breathing lion was great. Stuff happening back with the people who are staying safe at the castle also very fun. So oh, very yeah. fun issue. Even if I also am with you, Justin, I want to see them like crest the action here and potentially move on to something else. Uh, but still, great book. Write action. your own comic, man. Don't fucking judge people's shit. All right. I'll write my own That's... once in future uh, 22. Action great. Comics number 1037 from DC Comics, written by Philip Kenny Johnson and Sean Aldridge. Art by Miguel Mendoza and Adriana Mello. This is the second part of the World World War World saga as Superman and the Authority attack the new Mongol. Spoiler alert, they lose horribly in this issue. Not great. Not, Not great, great work, at guys. all. This is actually, I believe, the last Superman comic, R.I.P. Superman. Um, this is going pretty hard. What did you guys think? Yeah, I mean, uh, I lo- you can't get distracted I- in the middle of a fight. You know what I mean? You can't look around. Uh, otherwise, someone's going to stab you. I mean, that's just how it's going to work. Thanks, Pete. Well, Justin, over to you. Uh, good advice. Um I like that this issue is framed around um, a meeting of the United Planets, I believe. And they're saying, should we help Superman? And they're like, nah, let's let it ride. Too much going on here. We don't want to get involved. I really like that as a device. And I feel like um, Philip Kennedy Johnson is putting some sort of narrative space between us and Superman throughout his run. Like Superman's sick. We're not really in his head. He's someone we're watching from a distance. And I think that's really interesting. I haven't seen that in a while. It's always it's usually like close up on Superman. What's he thinking? Why is he he's trying so hard? He's just got to go do everything. And this we're getting that space, and it makes it a little more like we're, it feels like we're losing Superman, and then he gets stabbed right on through. You know, yeah. it didn't look like a great situation. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the characters, by the way, feel very fresh and new. But there's a big Thanos and the Black Order vibe going from Mongol and his lieutenants that I think makes them really yeah. dangerous and really interesting. There's also a great bit in here with Manchester Black when he attacks one of the lieutenants. Oh, so fun, so fun. Uh, great issue. Very interested to see what's going to happen going forward. Next oh, up, oh yeah, go ahead, Pete. Also, the the backup was really fun. Manhunter just hanging out with its cat double stuffed, like eating cereal like he's a little kid watching Saturday morning cartoons. Yes, more of this, please. What the fuck? Uh, this is cool. When you see Martian Manhunter with a cat, you gotta uh, feel like just, I mean, validated. God, you know, Were you worried that he was gonna eat that cat? Because he's an alien and they love eating cats. Yep. What, what is this, Alf? Yeah. Are you making an Alf reference? Yeah, they're all Alfs. You fucking old man. The my favorite catchphrase from Martian Manhunter is when he says, "Huh, they kill me." I love that. Wow, that's good. What a catchphrase! Yeah. Um, I uh, how to feel see, to dust that off? <laughs> the um, I also love that we get uh, a 
Kyle Rayner um, painting uh, featured in mm-hmm. that backup, which was very cool. And yes. I used to love my Hawaiian shirt, Alf, that I got at Burger King. <laughs> Dirtbag Rapture number three from I got Odie Pratt. What? I have one of those. You collected them, right? Yeah, Everybody yeah. collected them back in the day. Dirtbrag Rapture, number three from Odie Press, written by Christopher Sabella, art by Kendall Good. And this issue, we're really getting into our angel ghosts versus demon ghost things that is going on as our main character, who is a ghost hotel, uh, ends up teaming up with one of these demon ghosts. It goes wild and absolutely crazy. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, I like this book. It gets, it does go wild and crazy. It it feels very unique. It's got so much layered uh, like things happening, um, and but it's good. It's really holding together. It has a very like cool uh, narrative um, tone to it. Yeah, I really love how creative and different this comic is. It's really cool. It's got really interesting characters. I love the main characters just kind of like drive to get fucked up. It's just, it's, it's, this is fun. This is just a really cool creative comic with a lot of uh, interesting characters and character designs in there. Uh, the whole like, uh, you know, stretched out limo with the flames. This is just fun. We're having fun. And last but not least, we've been asking you all to request some reviews of older stuff from us in the iTunes comments. If you got a request for us, leave it there. We would be happy to entertain and review here on the stack. But this is a request from Hive Mind Comics. Wanted us to check out Saga of the Swamp Thing Volume 2 from DC Comics, written by Alan Moore, art by John Totalben and Stephen Bissett, among many, many other people. Now, we reviewed the first volume of this. Justin, you had read all of it. Pete and I had... Ashamedly, never read Swamp Thing. Shame, and I think the Pete, shame you part. were shame. okay with it, right? Uh, on the first yeah. volume, I think I felt like okay, I can see where yeah. this is going. It has this developing as it goes. So, what do we think about Volume Two, Pete? I want to go to you first since you oh, were a little man. iffy on Volume One. Uh, I really love this. I, I really love the kind of questions it's asking, how deep it gets here, really kind of esoteric. And I mean, here we have some of my non-favorite DC characters. Here we got Swamp Thing, and then we get Green Lantern. But the story is so cool. Are you thinking of the Spectre? Mm. Uh no, did I not read the right book here where we got the one-eyed Green Lantern character here? The one-eyed Green Lantern <laughs> character? What book did you read? I read volume two of uh, Saga of the Swamp Thing where we got this kind of green one-eyed Green Lantern, uh, you know, talking about life and the meaning of life and all these people and stuff and... Is this not Who's the it right? By? Is it written by Alan Moore? Yes. Really? All right. I think maybe you read something else. Was there all the stuff with Abigail Arcane dying? Abigail Arcane uh, ends with like a very. Uh, you don't have all the one-eyed people in this. <laughs> <laughs> you uh, no, I don't think so. What? This <laughs> well, has to be the. It's. It starts. Oh my God! Are you? <laughs> we may need to loop back to this one potentially, unless Justin, you want to talk about this? Wait, I wait, 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 wait. 
come on. Like, I this was really good. I really love this. And you're telling me I didn't read the right one? Well, hold on. Let's find out. Well, Justin, why don't you talk about Sack of the Swamp Thing Volume 2 for a second? I mean, yes. Um, this is – I've read this uh, a long time ago. I think this gets really gets into the um, – the romance between Swamp Thing and Abigail, uh, and th- at the same, while simultaneously getting into um, the battle with his, his arch enemy Arcane, and it's great. It's horrifying at points, uh, and all building up to we get the death of Abigail, and then we get this great sort of counterpoint to that in at the end with the Rite of Spring, which is issue thirty four. That is this like psychosexual. It's like to me the standout issue of Alan Moore's run on Swamp mm-hmm. Thing, and it's this uh, like I said psychosexual uh, romance that I think is just there's no other comic out there like it. And I think I mentioned this with the first volume a little bit, and one of the things that I thought was fantastic about this one is you see where all of the things that everybody has been. Not in a negative way, but copying off of for years yeah. with Swamp Thing come to bear here where they haven't necessarily crystallized the things, but he's really figuring out, OK, this is what Swamp Thing is. This is how, oh, can he travel through the earth? Can he become part of a plant consciousness? Let's try that out. Or here's this awful thing that's happening with uh, Arcane, her uncle. Uh, we're going to explore that. We're going to go into the dreamscape with Kate and Abel. Yeah. We're going to explore these areas while they were still in the DC universe before they moved over to Vertigo proper. Um, that's great. Uh, my The standout for me actually was the annual here. It was annual number two where he goes and tries to rescue Abigail from first heaven and then hell. And... I get very tired of these characters like the Phantom Stranger, the Spectre, all of these ones that they're big mystical ones that never quite get them. But here it feels like, oh, this is them in their ideal form. Well, this is why people use them so exactly. much now. Exactly. It's like you were saying, like this is sort of the er version of them that everyone's like, oh, I'm going to do something like that. And the Phantom Stranger you encounter when you're going between heaven and hell because that because of what happened in that annual. Yeah. Uh, so overall, really, really good. Maybe we will have to loop back to this whenever we figure out what Pete actually read. I'm so sorry, Pete. I, um, I don't know what I read, but I fucking loved it. Uh, it <laughs> it's the wrong thing. Uh, that's great. We'll figure that out later. And for all of you out there, if you want to support this nonsense, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast on YouTube. Come back out. We would love to chat with you about comic books. iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show at Comic Book Live on Twitter, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, we'll see you at the comic book shop. Later!